0: Welcome to the Power Kid Podcast, the premier and longest-running podcast focused on the modern toy and entertainment industry. Power Kid is an award-winning design and development firm, and we are a proud member of the Adventure Media and Events Podcast Network family. Adventure Media is the publisher of your favorite industry publications, including the Toy Book, the Toy Insider, and the Pop Insider. I am your host, Phil Albritton, and I bring you great conversations with talented people making amazing products for kids. Toys, books, games, TV, movies, I bring them to you here every episode. Welcome aboard. Hello, 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 Power Kids, and welcome to another Power Kid podcast. Guys, every week it is my honor to come here, share these conversations with you about all things toys and games and children's entertainment. And my goodness, what a show we have for you this week. Marion Bossard is on the line. Marion is absolutely the queen of Toy Fair and so happy to have her on the line. For 20 years, she has served as the Executive Vice President of Global Market Events at the Toy Association. Marion, it is a pleasure to have you on the show. It is a pleasure to be here. You are a busy, busy lady right now, just prior to Toy Fair, getting ready to roll out one of the biggest toy shows of the year, every year, So I will take just a little bit of your time to speak to my audience and thank you so much for coming on. You know, I always start with the first question, taking us back in time. How did you get involved with the toy industry?
1: Uh, I would have to just say kismet. Uh, I, After working for Delta Airlines for 16 years, I'd moved over to a company that produced trade shows, a, a trade publication uh, not in the toy industry. And uh, this wonderful opportunity came along a few years into that and uh, just came in cold, interviewed, and wound up coming in as an operations manager and worked my way up, actually. So uh, it, it was – I – Always like to say that I came for the show and I stay for the association. (laughs)
0: <laughs> Very good. And for Delta, correct me if I'm wrong, but you were in food sales for Delta. Is that right?
1: No, no. I was in reservation sales. I thought I, when I was oh, okay. growing up, no, I, the food reference is probably, I, I thought I was going to be a nutritionist.
0: Mm-hmm. Um, okay. And
1: and then I found out how much science was involved with it, and not not my strong suit. So I quickly pivoted and I went wound up working for Delta Airlines in sales and customer service. And it was uh, really a, a foundational experience for me where there are still as what I'm doing today, I will think back about the customer service mentality of hospitality industry. So uh, it does there's, there's a place for that in any uh, kind of uh,
0: face-to-face uh, experiences. There's an intersection there. So so coming from this hospitality mentality, what do you provide at Toy Fair that really keys into that? How do you make Toy Fair a hospitable place for the manufacturers to come and be a part of?
1: Well, uh, not just the manufacturers or, who are around the floor, but Anyone who walks through the door of the Javits Center. So several years ago, I had the opportunity to – and this is not while I was with Delta, but afterward in that first trade show I worked for, we had the opportunity to go to a Ritz-Carlton customer service experience. And it really struck me that the way that the Ritz-Carlton would welcome people into the lobby – you know, they would look at the crook of an eyebrow and know that someone was lost. Um, they would never point to where a person wanted to get. Uh, they would rather walk them to that destination. So we we took that very seriously and and decided that that's what that's what I want any show I'm working with to do. So we do train our the temporary workers as well as our staff to engage people before they even. Approach you, Uh, and it's you know it's it's a challenge, but that's the goal to make people feel welcome right away. And add to that that for so many people, this is the first time they've come to New York, and they and and what they've heard is that it's big and cold and unfriendly. And we have a personal mission to dispel that. uh, That we want people to say, "I never expected that kind of attention." (laughs) So really (laughs) blindside them with. Uh, kindness and respect uh, and everyone who's coming through the door, regardless of their role in the industry, is important to the success of the show. So we do try to focus on that.
0: Mission accomplished, Marion. Every time I enter a Toy Fair, you come from kind of the hustle and bustle of New York City and you enter those doors and there's always a warmth. There's always just a kind of a feeling of being home, Uh, especially for me. I know my friends are here and there's, there's friends there that I don't get to see any other time of the year except for Toy Fair, but you've got the music playing. There's always someone to help point you in a particular direction. It's so well organized. So just from my personal experience, I say thank you for organizing the show in that way, because it is, it just it just feels like home when you arrive. It's a big, big home full of family, but, but that is really the feeling that I get at Toy Fair.
1: Well, that's really encouraging to hear because it's certainly one of our goals. It, it is big, it is noisy and chaotic at times, but there is a way to overcome that. And sometimes it's just, you know, the outreach um, to one person at a time.
0: Yeah. So, I'm a student of toy history, and I want to ask you some questions about the history of New York Toy Fair. How did it begin? And, and can you share some memorable stories in your time uh, working with Toy Fair?
1: Well, as far as we know, uh, the first marketplace activity in New York City started at a, in around 1903. Now, we it wasn't really organized by the association at, because the association wasn't formed until 1916. But what would happen is that in lower Manhattan, uh, toy sellers would be traveling, say, from Chicago to New York to Europe, and they would host in these hotel rooms in in, in low Broadway um, little displays of what their wares were and then they would move on so it went from 1903 and then around 1925 the International toy Center opened up at 205th Avenue and right. that became the epicenter of all toy sales rooms uh, quite a legendary place if anyone has not had the chance to visit it It unfortunately did uh, close. It went to – well, it was intended to be residential. I believe now it's all corporate. But around 2005, and it was was very difficult for the industry because think about it from 1925 to about 2005, uh, it was home. People came there every day. They mm-hmm. three hundred sixty-five days a year. So what happened then is you know that that activity needed to find another destination, and it so happened that in nineteen eighty-seven, the Toy Association, then the Toy Manufacturers of America, had uh, set up at the Javits Center, which had opened in nineteen eighty-six. It re- the activity at the Javits Center was for companies that either. There just wasn't room for them at the International Toy Building. They weren't big enough to uh, warrant that kind of year-round investment. Uh, So the show at Javits really exploded after 2005, 2006, when all of the industry came under one roof. Uh, It wasn't anything that we had any control over, but it was certainly something that we learned to celebrate. And I think in in the end, it's become an even more important uh, go-to-market experience throughout the year.
0: Right, right. It was kind of this slow migration from the toy building into Javits and now the majority uh, inside Javits, which is which is just a phenomenal space. You walk through the, the, the floors there and, and see everyone uh, set up. I love the launch pad, right? I love, I love that area because that is new, fresh faces who feel like they can contribute something unique to toys. And I, I love that, the entrepreneurship that happens there. Um, besides the location, how has the show changed in your years of being involved? Uh, more and more participants, but uh, but what are some of the other changes? I, I think
1: the, the biggest change for me is that much like the activity of 1903, we got into the 2000s where we were still hyper-focused on either you make toys or you sell toys at retail. And what we quickly realized as with pretty much the team I have now, a lot of the team I have now was the same team from the early 2000s. -hmm. What we realized was that everyone who's coming through that door has a role in the industry. And if we can identify those other bricks in the foundation of the industry, then we can start to create opportunities for their own business, uh, again, goes back to that respect. If you're coming there, if you're taking the time to come to the show, what is your role? How do we provide education? This also allowed us to start to work with different kinds of members of the association. Um, the people were coming to the show that we recognized weren't even yet eligible to become members, but as time went on and the, uh, the tent Of the toy association grew. Well, we already knew who they were because they'd be coming to the show and we'd already recognized their, their worth.
0: Yes. I think that's one of the things that makes New York Toy Fair so special is this kind of broadening definition of who can be involved, who can be supported, who can be educated and who can be brought into that building to make a connection with the toy industry at large, be it a buyer or a manufacturer. The creative factor, there's been so much buzz about the creative factor and your support of inventors at this show. So I want to talk a little bit about that. How did that come about and uh, why are you excited about it? well,
1: uh, now we'll be at our 18th Creative Factor at Toy Fair, and, and it's, it's really being uh, billed as an overnight success because it only caught the attention <laughs> right. a, a few years right. ago. What happened is that a, a dear friend and someone who is still uh, working with me on this program, his name is Brett Klish. He is uh, a creative director at Peru Meridian Studios. He called me out of the blue, I guess my second or third year working on the show. He called me and he said, I'm an inventor. I've been coming to the show. I love the show. But I got to tell you, that toy manufacturers association, they're not doing a whole lot for inventors. So my interest was definitely piqued. So I, we agreed to have lunch. And in that lunch, he said to me, What's missing from this show is the creative factor. And by that, he meant the acknowledgement of the upstream efforts of the creative community to actually uh, bring a product to market by working with the manufacturing partners. So I was, I'm in. So we started doing very small drop-in, a drop-in learning center, we called it. I think the first year it was 200 square feet, then it goes up to 400, and then the sessions start becoming really important because long before 3D printing was a thing, well, Brett organized bringing in this nearly $100,000 monstrosity that was a 3D printer, but we all thought it was (laughs) fabulous. Um, Right, right. But so by – we're not – uh, at the Association Inventors or Designers. So a quick lesson is to surround yourself with people who are uh, in one other discipline or another discipline. And they're, given his generosity to the show and working with it, he's never turned his back. So we now have an advisory board for Creative Factor. It is on everyone's radar. Um, yes. And we've added to it a day at the show – Uh, Instead of just the four days of education, and, and let me say there's about 30 different sessions that are coming under the creative factor umbrella this year. In addition to that, we launched last year something we call CF at TF, Inventor Day, and we put out a call for submissions inviting unknowns, some known, some unknown, to submit an idea. The advisory board reviewed the ideas, and we did select 36 Uh, inventors to display on the Friday before Toy Fair shows. Who comes to that? The inventor relations folks from the toy companies that are uh, exhibiting at Toy Fair. So uh, someone may just want to uh, license the idea for manufacturing, but we're putting these unknown inventors in touch with just the right people who will be there to help them succeed. So we love that. And by the way, this year we more than doubled the number of submissions that we got. Uh, so if we can double it every year, we'll st- we'll continue to bring a lot of fresh <laughs> ideas to the industry.
0: Wonderful. Wonderful. Ideas abound. And just thank you for your support of the invention and design community. I think that's absolutely uh, wonderful. So, more than 1,200 manufacturers, distributors, importers, sales agents, over 30 countries represented. How do you ensure that all of those companies have the best chance to make an impact, to shake the right hand, to meet the right person? That must feel like a large responsibility to make this show something that is impactful for everyone that attends. How do you do that? How do you process that?
1: Well, I think the one one really important thing is to recognize that all companies, all brands are not created equal. They're not all enjoying the same success at retail. Uh, and, and, and not to deflect our responsibility, but I will say, first of all, a company needs to understand what their objective is uh, well by participating said, yes. in the show. We know that some of the companies participating in the New York show are there for the media attention. And while we don't directly take on the responsibility for getting the media to their booth, we work very hard on getting media to the show. Um, so that's that's one piece. But I'd like to break it down a little more. The, the one group that does absolutely need our help in the beginning are those companies that you mentioned earlier, the Launchpad folks.
0: Yes, right. We
1: have... Um, we used to have about 250 brand new companies come to the show every year. The only reason we don't have 250 right now is because we are landlocked in the Javits Center. So great things coming when it's expanded in 2022. Right now, we uh, have segmented whole 1E to ensure that that we maximize the number of brand new companies that we can bring to the show every year. So in 2020, we'll have approximately 120 125 brand new companies coming to the show. We have for several years, uh, a a freshman advisor program. We we don't leave them uh, anything there. We don't leave their success to chance. So we work closely with them from the day they contract to do the show to the day they arrive at the Javits Center to help them navigate, not just logistically, but even just bringing that idea to market. Our staff, our account executives are available to them from the beginning. It could be something as simple as asking them, so what's your message in the booth? They'll say, hey, do you think I should set it up this way or set it up that way? Well, what is it that you want the uh you want to have curb appeal what is it you want them to know as they're passing by the booth so we try to help them with the physical we try to manage their expectations we also try to explain to them how to be ready if the conversation should go in one direction or the other
0: oh wonderful yeah so
1: it's uh, and, and some of them are like deer in the deer in the headlight but you've already alluded to the fact that that hall is so rich with fresh ideas that Uh, It's it's now a destination for large retailers and companies looking to find good partnerships for licensing the ideas. Because not everyone who comes into the show is looking to sell to retail. They're looking for the right business partner. So we're aware of that. And if the conversation goes that way, we don't become so married to them that – uh we're offended if they only need the show for one year that's ne- that may mean that they met their goal they found the right partner and now they can move on to their day job
0: because they <laughs> 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 that's that's right no it, it perfect, in a perfect and a perfect description of that area the launch pad this is where something can really take off your idea your partnership your licensing opportunity this is where this can be launched and I don't know anyone a beginner or longtime industry veteran that doesn't just love going through the launch pad because that is often where many of the fresh ideas are the fresh takes on the toy industry and, and sometimes new directions direction can come from that area. So I just, I love it. And thank you for, for breaking that down. Listeners, if you are a new exhibitor, or if you are thinking about exhibiting for the first time, rewind, listen to what Marion has to say about the support that you can receive at Toy Fair. I think that is absolutely phenomenal. Marion, take us behind the scenes, Uh, at the Toy Association, what are some of the biggest challenges that you're overcoming, the hurdles, uh, as you're getting ready for the show, and you absolutely have a wonderful team behind you? Who deserves to be recognized? Uh, What's that like? Take us behind the curtain.
1: Well, first of all, I could never say there's uh, the team that runs the event is, is 14 strong, including myself there's that but when you look at the what's happening inside the javits center it's everybody working and that means that our communications colleagues doing the trends reports we've got education on international business development with our head researcher we've we've got the our annual toy safety and compliance update from our government affairs office so Everyone, this is the showcase of the depth and breadth of the work of the association. The show itself um, is is run by this event's team. And uh, do you remember that that reference to uh, asking a centipede how it can walk? Um, <laughs> <laughs> right. We don't like to focus too much on like, how are we doing this? We, every year we right. add five or six new things and we're still walking with the same number of legs. Don't look down. Because <laughs> <laughs> so there's a little bit of muscle memory and, and, and deep creativity. But I would say that, that what I love love so much about this is that some people know that the association runs the shows. Some people think it's the only thing we do, but if you really take a look at what's happening at Toy Fair, you'll see every element of the work of the association on display. And it's, it's, I do want to take the opportunity to note that we know the investment in Toy Fair is, is deep. And we know, um, you know, from, a uh, physical investment and financial investment. Everything that is spent on Toy Fair goes right back into the work of the association all year long. We couldn't do it without Toy Fair. And so we are eternally grateful for the support that the industry um, does supply us each year. But I'm not going to fall into your trap and name names. (laughs) (laughs)
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, th- that may take too long anyway. It really would. Uh, we, <laughs> all, all a wonderful moving part uh, to this thing we call Toy Fair. So just just fantastic. Uh, Marion, as we close down here. Uh, we talked a little bit about the creative factor. What other events are you excited about this year? Do you want to promote? Do you want to make sure that attendees know is happening? And you think they're going to be so blown away by what you have?
1: Oh, my goodness. This year, when I was referencing that centipede, we actually really do look at each other. How are we taking on all these new things? Um, if if just being the most vibrant marketplace in the world isn't enough. Um, This year, we have, in addition to the Inventor Day, we are going to have Mitchell Wu, most of your audience will probably recognize Mitchell as the toy photographer that does such amazing things with toys and and bringing them alive. Well, Mitchell Wu will be cutting the ribbon at Toy Fair, but we are actually installing a Mitchell Wu gallery on the mezzanine level above Toy Fair. He's going to have on display 69 of his prints that that really add an, an additional amount of energy and community. Really, go upstairs. Don't miss the Mitchell Boo Gallery. This year, we're also launching um, in cooperation with StoryCorps. I- I'm hoping everyone is familiar with StoryCorps. Uh, if you listen to NPR, you'll hear those stories that are recorded uh, by this nonprofit organization and then are put into the Library of Congress. So we are launching it this year. It's the first of maybe a hundred years uh, that we will start to gather the the oral history of the industry and we invited everyone to submit names. We've selected 15 people who will be recorded very professionally at the show. Those 15 will be uh, whittled down to seven who will be selected to have their story put into the Library of Congress. This is big. From now on, the toy, uh, the toy industry has a home in the Library of Congress. So we're thrilled about bringing that. Um, Another big new thing is that with the importance of, uh, young content creators, talk about the rise of some, something that would not have been conceivable five years ago. We have a, a family lounge for these content creators because they are Children, these chan on these channels, mm-hmm. and we wanted to give them, make them the VIPs that they are. Uh, it, it is being sponsored this year by Bonkers Toys, uh, and we're just going to make them feel at home and safe from the crowds when they need that
0: break, as most kids do. Absolutely. That's one thing I commented last year on the show. I looked around and I saw more kids at the show than I think I'd ever seen before. And it was because of this influencer culture and and YouTube and and children being a huge part now of the marketing of the product that we create for them. And I love that intersection. I I love um, the way that that has developed. And so, so happy to hear that you're going to provide uh, resources for children and families to have a comfortable uh, visit at Toy Fair.
1: Absolutely. We, ha- we have a host hotel for them. We're having a pizza party for them. They're having a a, a party at the camp store down, uh, down on Broadway. It's going to be fantastic. And instead of it, you know, I, I will be the first to admit that it took a long time to get here because of the show regulations were such. This is B2B, B2B, B2B. Um, And it took us a while, but there there's no question that they have become integral to companies' successes. And the last thing I wanted to mention, Phil, was that for the first year, um, we are going to have an inaugural student congress at Toy Fair. Every year at Toy Fair, we host about 250 university-level students. We've done that for years, and we've welcomed them. Here's your badge. Go enjoy yourself. But we are taking a step back this year and we're actually creating programming for these university level students coming in with, uh, you know, there is the meet and greet, but then we're doing a panel for uh, an industry overview panel hosted by uh, Kathleen Camposano, who will lead us through those conversations. Then we're doing an innovation workshop and it doesn't matter whether they're in toy design or um, you know, entrepreneurship. We're going to, to help them unleash their creative side. And then we're releasing them to the show floor where companies have already told us they'll hang out the shingle and welcome the students. So there's no not leaving a chance that a student won't get in to a booth. So we are thrilled. These are all new initiatives. So uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's just really thrilling and no one should miss the show this year.
0: That's amazing. So many resources, so much to look forward to. Uh, Miriam, how can people reach out, uh, contact you, become involved in Toy Fair? If they've got questions, who do they go to?
1: Well, you know, they can go to the, the Toy Association website. They can go to ToyFairNY.org, but they can also call me. I'm, I'm. you know, it's a little tougher to get me quickly over the next couple of weeks, but if it, I am always available and if... If someone wants to send me an email, I'm happy to provide that.
0: No. You're such a blessing to the industry, Miriam. Thank you for your support. Thank you for being the head of the centipede. Please take that as a compliment. <laughs> well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. I, I, will, I will never be able to think about Toy Fair in any other terms now. It's, it's this beautiful centipede yep. rolling through New York City, yep. making great things happen. This has been an absolute pleasure. Thank you for coming on the show. Looking forward to Toy Fair. And we'll talk to you soon. Thank
1: you very much, Phil. Appreciate the time.
0: Thank you for tuning in to the Power Kid Podcast. If you like what you hear, subscribe so that you never miss an episode. And leave a good review on iTunes. This helps us find more great listeners just like you. Remember also to check out the other shows that are a part of the Adventure Media and Events Podcast Network family. This show is brought to you by the Power Kid Design and Development Team. We are a full-service design and development studio serving the toy and game industry for over 20 years. Our partners, large and small, rely on us for invention, concept development, packaging, branding, prototyping, and much more. You can find me on my LinkedIn page, check out the website at PowerKidDesign.com, or email me directly, Phil at PowerKidDesign.com. I am always happy to connect and help you develop your next great product. It's been an honor to spend this time with you today. Now go out and make something great. And remember, you are creative because you were created. God bless, and I'll see you next episode.